Hello, Attactioneers. Welcome to the Attack Action Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Morrow. And I'm your host, Isaac Jessen. Back after a gnarly bout with something from the pits. And uh, maybe mutated and stronger for it. <laughs> yeah, will you uh, stand up for me and show me that that sweet new third arm you have? <laughs> oh, Wow. <laughs> It's bigger than your other two arms. Cool. Told you stronger. Yeah. Amazing. What's up, Taylor? Good to see you. Dude, it's great to see you. This is the most I've seen you in weeks. I got to see you last weekend, and I'm seeing you this weekend via our podcast video chat. So this is great. It is. We, uh, I broke free from my busy schedule and we did a like a limited day with a bunch of our local friends last saturday mm-hmm. which was awesome it was perfect it was just so much fun and you know what i needed yeah me too uh i had a shitty two weeks of work and that was kind of the a midpoint that was really good and then i had another shitty week of work and then now i'm here with you which is totally great. And I can't wait to get into that limited day of flesh and blood. That whole weekend actually was fucking bitching for me. Uh, <laughs> I had a great time with Mitch, but the whole limited experience day and stuff just really reminded me of like peak battle bro days back during the pandemic. It had that just childlike vibe to it. So it was awesome. Totally. I didn't drink any beer and went home and did homework, which sucked more than classic battle bro days. But yeah, it was a, it was a lot of fun. We actually got eight together as well. So got to do a real draft. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. Anyway, we'll, we'll get, we'll get to it for sure. Yeah. So this episode we're uh, our, our topic is topical, right? There's like a bunch of exciting things happening yeah, and, it's uh, a, a bunch of news. So instead of doing like one deep dive or breakdown or strategy or whatever, we're just gonna we're gonna cover several things that has everybody yapping and up in arms and excited and beat down and all that. So we're gonna we're gonna weigh in. Yeah, and uh, by topical, Isaac does not mean like an ointment you're gonna rub on your skin. He just means of the days that we're in. <laughs> In, in case that was unclear. Well, you, you, you never know, <laughs> you know, apparently people still can't tell us apart via our voice. So totally. Yeah. We just got that California accent, bro. That, that draw, cha, cha bra. Shred, shred the gnar. Uh, anyway. Okay. We're, we're also, anyway, never mind. It doesn't matter. It totally, <laughs> it, it doesn't matter. I'll have to, do that. Okay. So first, before we get into the main topic where we're just going to talk about outsiders and all of the news around outsiders and all of that good stuff, a little bit of news. So first, the biggest piece of news, I think, yet is the commoner format has been updated. And so now you basically can have unlimited rares in your equipment and your weapons. <laughs> Amazing. Oh my. <laughs> is 
So also, I think it's cool. Um, it's a great format that we do not play enough. Yeah, I don't get to play commoner much, but I do think that this update makes sense. Like, I, I understand why they limited the number of rares, but rares are very cheap. And certain heroes kind of overperform with, like, key rares, and certain heroes maybe need three rares or a bit more. You know what I mean? It wasn't exactly a level playing field dividing it by an arbitrary number. So I think that this is, uh, you know, just fine of a change. Yeah, totally. So shout out to commoner format in more important news. Um, let's talk about the printing issue first. So basically what happened, LSS had an article that said there was a mix up in the printers and rainbow foil legendaries got put on the track where commons were going to go for like 30 minutes during the printing before it was caught. So what that means is there's like 0.16% more legendaries or something like that. I'm pretty sure out in the wild and it hasn't affected like too many um, boxes and stuff. So it's not like the whole set is going to be like, quote unquote, ruined or whatever. Right. I think it's those numbers or even less, most likely, right. um, which is good news, right? Like most of the boxes you buy, the legendary distribution in normal boxes is unaffected. It's not like certain boxes got the lion's share of them. So regular boxes are unaffected and you buy a regular box, you'll still get to draft with it, have fun with it, open it, fishing for stuff. Um, completely normally there the second part of the print printing issue is there's been discrepancies in the um, boxes from japan and from belgium which um kind of have minor differences in like uh common and rare distribution per pack and this kind of only has repercussions at the highest competitive level Right, like if you're preparing for Pro Tour Baltimore or Nationals when that comes, or you know what, at Road to Nat Season Limited, um, whichever box you get from Belgium or Japan, they may differ slightly. So that's uh, that's a very big deal for pro players. Um, yeah, and hopefully LSS will address that sometime soon. For the rest of it, I mean, I'm going to Baltimore, but I don't have time to practice, so it doesn't affect me that much. For the rest of us, um, just collecting or drafting or uh, more on a casual level, um, I don't I don't think this matters that much. But if you are trying to put in some reps to prepare, this is a really big deal because whatever collation you're learning uh, yeah. better be accurate, right? Because you invest a lot of time and effort into it. Totally, because uh, the, the idea, right, is that if you know what is also side, not sidebar, but in relation to this, uh, Hayden Dale from the Attack Action Podcast is doing from Arsenal Pass. <laughs> <laughs> A little Freudian slip there. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Oops, I let go, I let our uh, our May announcement slip. Yeah, teehee. No, he's. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's staying over there with Arsenal Pass, um, <laughs> but he's doing a 
10 episode series about limited and specifically outsiders limited. And in his most recent episode, he talked about the very specific details of how the uh, pack producers, the different packs, uh, the different printings are different and the effects that will have on professional play. And it's basically just like, you need to be able to practice with one type of pack. And if you know, you're, you're more likely to have more hybrid cards, you need to know that, you know, or three rares to one to two rares or whatever it is. So you can figure out, you know, what seat you're in, what's been taken from the pack. So you can read the signals in the draft more accurately. And so that's like kind of the big deal for that, um, which I think is pretty huge. And I would be stressed out if I was, you know, trying to win Pro Tour Baltimore. So hopefully they announce that very soon, what their plan is. Yeah. And the, the second part of that is that I'm sure they will announce it soon, right? They'll be like, okay, we're going to use Japanese printed boxes, but then wherever you're practicing, you have to be able to get a hold of that type of product in order to physically practice with it. Or you can, you know, finagle some sort of digital practice, like uh, a lot of testing groups do anyway, but right. Yeah. So challenging, a little challenging heading into Baltimore, but, and it, I just like to say, it's like, it was really like breaking my heart there for a bit just because it's like i was so excited for outsiders um i mean it's been a long time since like i really loved aria right but like flesh and blood limited has kind of been like you know like the Mirror or like um right briar or you know, somebody gets a busted chain deck or just like really fast and like kind of, I don't want to say high really because they still are very skill intensive and like very fun to play. Mm-hmm. But I was very excited to kind of bring the format back to a format in which you kind of play your whole deck and you utilize your second cycle. And so your strategy and play is based on the entire construction of your deck, maybe not just what you see in the first like two or three turns. So I was really excited for this, especially after I kind of had like a bad experience. I like bitched about at uh, worlds, you know, with the uprising draft. So this was like, <laughs> I was like, this is great. The direction they're taking, this is awesome. And then having these like printing issues and pack collation issues, I was like, Oh no, I hope this doesn't overshadow what hopefully is, you know, a, an excellent, uh, set for limited that's going to be in the competitive scene for like quite a long time um, mm-hmm. since the next set here is going to be a supplemental set uh, it's it's looking like everything's going to be okay but um, yeah it's just like it, it's bad timing for those struggles in my opinion it was pretty tough yeah it would be nice I would love it if I mean these are like Bummer things. I mean, the extra legendaries, right, is is cool, you know, uh, also to get a better sense of the numbers. Uh, likely impact has resulted between 0.4% and 0.8% additional rainbow foil legendaries and fable cards being released, which is like not very much and is not a big deal. 
but is cool because now you have like, you know, these boxes and they might be like sought after, you know what I mean? Like every time you open a box or go to a draft, you're like, is, is this going to be one of them? Is this going to be the crazy box? You know? So it's like playing roulette a bit too. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I think that's really cool, but it would be nice though. If for the high level professional stuff that was smoothed out a bit more and that we didn't have like things, things happen in the last couple of sets, like, um, surgical being short printed and, and now like we're just pack collation is a little, is a little weird, you know? Mm -hmm. So anyway, that's all I got on that printing issues. Totally. So, um, next I'm sure you're all aware we've had a bunch of, uh, organized play announcements kind of rolling out. Mm-hmm. Uh, which have been pretty fun because the banner for each one is a new piece of artwork, presumably from the upcoming set. Um, dusk till dawn. Yep. Dawn till dusk. Is it about daytime or nighttime? <laughs> it's about both. Anyway. <laughs> um, so that's been pretty cool to see these new pieces of artwork and like, uh, you know, just theorizing on what they mean um, because there's there's been like, Cheyenne and Prism, presumably, or like a Hydra or, you know, like all kinds of different really cool stuff. Um, and they've announced a number of battle hardened events, some callings. Uh, I think, I believe the most recent one is a calling in uh, the United Kingdom in Britain. Um, Birmingham, baby. Yes. And they've been calling for that for a very long time, pun intended. So uh, there you go. You got it. You got your calling. There's also a calling now announced in Singapore. I think that's one of the big ones in June. Oh, nice. Yeah. And there's there's a special thriving scene over there. Special promo for it as well. A Sigil of Solace special promo, which is dope. It is. I would love to. uh... (laughs) (laughs) I didn't realize you were done. (laughs) No, that was it. Your third uh, arm was just kind of distracting me as it's I was kind of darting around doing other tasks. Cause I'm still now, getting control over it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Those sigil promos are awesome. And since I've been playing drum, I had running sigil. I would really love a set of those. I also think that that's a, like a pretty cool idea. I mean, um, running like, there's only so many like cold foil young heroes or cold foil heroes or whatever that you can release four events. Um, and I'm a huge fan of releasing like alternate art cards or something that, totally. you know, inherently like, sigil is a common card, right? And this isn't like, um, you know, first edition cold foil or whatever, like crazy rare. But for those who are interested, this is like a very beautiful alternate art card. And um, I'm a big fan of just having that type of prize support, uh, you know, for events like LSS has generally been very good at prize support. But just by the own the the high bar that they've set, then things happen like you just get a some sleeves for top eighting a you know pro quest or whatever, and you're like, but <laughs> this isn't as good as it used to be. So <laughs> I uh, I'm all in favor of the the alternate art cards. Yeah, totally. So the OP announcement was was cool in in that way for those things, but. 
there's like a specific caveat that we as rural California West Coasters have, and I was pretty vocal on Twitter about it, not in a shitty way, but there was definitely a lot of discussion around it. Um, and the fact that none of the, there had been no announcements for anything basically west of the Rockies in North America. And that's a huge bummer, <laughs> you know? And I also want to add a disclaimer in here that like, I totally understand that some countries and some regions are also like very underserved as well. And I totally feel your pain. And it seems like because stuff happens in Chicago, Pennsylvania, Charlotte, New Jersey, and that I'm an American, that those count towards me also, even though I live uh, one mile from the Pacific Ocean, that those count for me also. But kind of in reality, they might as well be in a different country where I have to go through like customs and all of that, you know, for how expensive it is and the pain in the ass it is to fly across our country or like, you know, those sort of things. So that's, that's the real issue is that they are coming up at a time in which I'm free, but then the cost to get to the East coast or the South or the Midwesty, what is it? The mid, no. Yeah. What is Chicago in? Is that in the Midwest? Yeah, it's the Midwest. Just okay. way up there. Or to get to Ohio or whatever is just like crazy expensive. And I don't know if it's the reverse. Like, can you fly from Jersey to LA hella easy or something like that? Like, is that a $150 flight? I don't know. But for us, it's like, you know, 800 bucks to freaking fly over there one way. <laughs> Yeah, you, it's you know pretty. I mean? There's well, no two way, but yeah, <laughs> no. It with the time change too, and a lot of the the cities they choose are like Baltimore, right? Like I can't get a direct flight to Baltimore, mm-hmm. so it's like you have like a four hour layover in Denver and a three hour time change, and like all these things, and it costs way more. So. Yeah, just to echo what Taylor said, I completely agree. There's a lot of places in the world that uh, feel underserved compared to like the East Coast of the US for sure. And we're probably more fortunate than the majority of places. But um, it definitely, we definitely feel the geographic difference just because we can't like hop on a flight for like a hundred bucks and just like pop over for the weekend. It's just logistically more. Actually, I looked this up a while ago because everybody was like, America gets so much. So I looked up the distance because I was like, this is like, I don't think people really understand. But <laughs> so the distance from like my house to New York is the same as it is from like London to Baghdad. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just, not, it's not like England is, to Germany or what, you know, it's like, it's, it's quite a long ways. Yeah. And, there's no customs change, but there are like huge layovers and, you know, anyway. Yeah. Uh, I remember when you did that experiment and you were like, 
Yeah, it's probably like from there to like Moscow, right? And then no, it was like much farther. Yeah, no way. That's way closer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which sounds so, sounds ridiculous. So, yeah. Anyway, I, I know living in America, we are very fortunate for the amount of organized play support we have and the investment in our country in this game, right? We're like living large. It's great. But we are in the same boat on the West Coast as a lot of you out there in terms of like... uh you know, for it to actually be feasible, we do, we would, we would just let, you know, like give us, you know, one calling this year anywhere on the, you know, Western seaboard. Yeah. Please. In, like Vegas does not count. You know what I mean? I mean, it, it, in the, in the grand scheme of things, it does, right? That's a lot closer. I would have taken a <laughs> summer, a summer Vegas calling for sure. But what I would really love for there to be is like, uh, you know, smatter in your battle hardens or whatever, but then just like rotate callings through Seattle, Portland, the Bay Area, and Southern California. Like, oh, okay, so so then Portland gets a calling, calling Portland. Woo, great city. Would be fun for people to go there. And then you know, the next calling season, we're in San Diego. You know, and then the season after that, we're back to Seattle or whatever. Like that would be great. And I would probably go to all of those. Yeah. Because they're like, and there, there are non tent buildings in San Jose as well. You know, <laughs> like that could go differently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. mean, it sucks that that's the tagline of San Jose, you know, city of tents, but yeah. they do have other buildings. <laughs> uh, anyway, we're yeah. kind of off on a thing here, but just painting the picture from our perspective, you know? Yeah, totally. Cause we want to play and really it's like, it's, it's, it's not just us. It's like the solid community that's in the Portland PDX, you know, and Seattle and Vancouver and the whole Bay area slash Sacramento area. You yeah. Know? And the San Diego LA has like a, a large scene. I mean, totally calling Tyler Horsbull is from. Yeah. Friend of the show. Yes. You know, friend on Twitter, Chris Ioli (laughs) runner up at worlds, you know, Colin Honigman Honigman, skirmish winner and uh, voice of arcane games and events. Oh yeah. And the people, you know, Sam O'Brien. You know, come on. Yeah. So many famous people down there. <laughs> you know, Nicholas Cage. I hear he <laughs> plays Fab. <laughs> nice. Uh, he hides cards under his toupee. Anyway, uh, so I think that's that's it. That's all I have to say on that. I'm bummed and I really want to go to a calling or some larger event. This is the other thing. This is the other. This is also what grinds my gears is if we're not going to get stuff spread out geographically throughout the year so everybody gets a little taste, then you definitely got to make skirmish season, road to nat season, pro quest seasons longer than three weeks. Like they've got to be four or five weeks if we're going to just have like less events in some areas. Because there's just too much time in between 
stuff now. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. like, yeah, for me to play outsiders at like a competitive level that, and it just came out, uh, we have skirmish season, which is, you know, cool. I don't know still if I'm going to like go to any, but then it's like Baltimore and then it's road to Nats. So it's like several months before I really get to be in a competitive environment that with outsiders as the meta, you know, um, and Baltimore is still during like the school year. So I can't make that, which is a personal me problem, but it's just like, yeah, the if, school year is most of the year. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. Um, but anyway, it's just like, I'm, I'm champing at the bit to play. Yeah, totally. I'm not just trying to bitch about things. I just like, I love the game and I want to play the game, you know? <laughs> yeah. All right, moving on. Moving on. We beat that one to death. It's dead. You, uh, you got any shout outs? Yeah, I have two shout outs. First shout out to our new local LGS uh, Northern Realms. They're going to be hosting flesh and blood events. I met the dude the other weekend. Uh, super nice much closer to my house and uh it's gonna be it's gonna be great it's right next to levi's house shout out to levi so i'm excited to have a a new place to play and uh hopefully it brings in a few more people because it's in the uh quote unquote more populated city in our area (laughs) so should maybe get a few more new players my second shout out excellent news yeah go for it my second shout out is to Jacob Hawkins for a t- for I don't know how to sh- say this, but from downtown he swooshed the first ever dishonor trigger in human history live on the Arcane Games and Event stream from the AGE Open in round one. They blocked, and he said. How do you like Razor Reflex? You are now dishonored. Dishonor on you, dishonor on your cow, dishonor on your whole family. Shout out to Mulan. Awesome. <laughs> That's one of those plays that you're like, hmm, I probably shouldn't take too much damage to do this, <laughs> but I, I'm going to do it. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like I would just hold my cards to get it done. Totally. It was freaking sweet. He set it up earlier in the game by blocking with a dishonor early so he could like bonds it, you know, it was great. Sick. And he did it and it was incredible. So shout out to Jacob. Well done. Well done, sir. Announcements. Because you don't have any shout outs. I don't have any shout outs. I've been been out of the game. Just washed up and rusty. (laughs) You know, like a Third arm though, like an anchor riptide's been dragging around. Nice. All right, you got you got an acronym here in the announcement, so I'm gonna let you take that one. <laughs> drag me, drag me, daddy. <laughs> New T-shirt, flavor text. <laughs> uh, okay, so announcements and plugs, basically. So, least you forget, on our previous episode with me and Colin. It's April now. So we're doing the we build, you build. So the idea is that we're going to be playing Blitz with Arachne Solitary Confinement 
and you, the listener, are going to build that deck and play however you want, whether it's in skirmishes, kitchen table, Talishar, armories exclusively. And then at the end of the month, we're going to, me and Colin are going to talk about our experience playing the deck and what we thought strengths, weaknesses were, our journey through learning how to play that hero. And then we're going to take in a bunch of feedback from the community and read those on stream too and compare and contrast. So it's a new kind of segment thing we're trying out. So don't forget that that's happening for the month of April and we'll get back to you at the end of the month. Yeah, I think that's great. Like crowdsourcing uh, communal deck building or exploring a new hero, you know? Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. So, and also we have, we've been doing, we've done two episodes so far and have another episode coming out in April of the time snap, which is a bonus episode of a, another sister podcast uh, exclusively for Patreon. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a uh, topic, if that's the term for it, um, episode of the podcast where we uh, will most likely talk about something non-fab related, but the three of us um, will discuss it and uh, yeah, have some fun. So if you sign up for our Patreon, which you should anyway, just for this content that we do normally, <laughs> you will also get a, a bonus, bonus little tidbit Hell yeah. And you get access to the discord, which is awesome. Um, and that's like basically where we post like anything we're working on, uh, like in terms of like our, our decks we're looking at and that sort of thing. So you get those little insights to, to our brains and it's just a great community of people in there, you know, yeah. there's another great, just like everyone was on a tear with puns again just made my day it's a great discord you guys are great that's my <laughs> shout out awesome uh the last thing i'm gonna plug is my saturday stream so we are recording this on saturday and this morning i just had probably the best stream i've had i think as of late and i'm just on this azuri journey and i had the most viewers and engagement and stuff and it was great and i appreciate that thank you all it was a ton of fun and uh the games were great etc you can go watch the playback on our youtube channel but look for those saturday mornings subscribe to the youtube channel hit the bell uh so you get notified when i'm going live on saturday mornings usually around 9 9 30 you know so sleep in have your cup of coffee or get tattooed like nate did while he was watching the stream and just like not talking to his uh, tattoo artist. <laughs> so you're welcome, Nate. Nice. That's it. Is that That's all we got. That's all we have to announce for the moment. <laughs> it is. Okay. So brand new segment here is it's a, it's a two prong attack here. One, if you have any questions for us, I recommend that you take out your phone, which you're listening to this podcast with, and record a voice memo and then email it to us at theattackactionpodcast at gmail.com. And then we'll play it live on an episode and answer your question. Like we're about to do 
with this listener right now. Hey guys, first time, long time. My question for the pod is, if you could live anywhere in Wraith, where would it be? And why is it the Savage Lands? Keep up the great work. Great question, Thor Mike. And uh, if if you submitted a question and we don't play it back, it means we have a little bit of a backlog and we'll get to next episode. <laughs> totally. But um, so to answer Thor Mike's question, I'll go first here. Um, I really enjoyed this question. I love like lore related things. Um, so I narrowed it down to three locations. Arya. Is that really narrowing it down? Well, we're <laughs> more narrow than eight we're working with. Um, <laughs> so I picked Arya because it has uh, magic and it has snow. I like the snow. <laughs> I love magical things. It just seems like a fun place to be. <laughs> I also thought about Mysteria, right? Because it's just very Zen there. Everybody seems to be you know, about peace and discipline and, you know, living, you know, on these beautiful misty mountaintops. And it's just like, come on, that's a good life over there. Right. Unless there's like something really weird buried under the veil, but just from the outside looks great. But in the end, as you uh, already know, Thor Mike, I picked the Savage Lands. I, it might be a little bit uh, hot and muggy for me there. looks a bit tropical, but in the end, I just love the wilderness and the Savage Lands is like the most wild place. And I think I would uh, have the most enriching life there. You know, I'd really thrive in the Savage Lands. So that's what I pick. Definitely not the zealotry of Solana. So I just throw in a little shade. <laughs> All right. What do you got, Taylor? It, instantly off my list. Also Solana. <laughs> Uh, I'm going with Aria because that just sounds like the coolest place to live. Truly. I mean, uh, I don't know. Mysteria sounds pretty cool too, but Aria has like, just like the flow and the Everfest carnival. So it's a real party atmosphere that i'm into you know yeah i think aria is a bit more fun than mysteria you know yeah yeah Yeah. totally and yeah it just seems like a good time in aria it looks it looks beautiful corsham is there freaking dope ass tree you know and uh you know the strong strongman show i don't know it's just freaking cool okay and I want to party. And Bravo seems like he's cool. I would hang out with Bravo. You know? Totally. He, he seems I, like the most fun character to have a beverage with also. I don't know. I think Lexi is probably the most fun character. Based on her art on oh, like yeah. other cards. Lexi looks And cool like too. partying. Yeah, I'd definitely party with Lexi. Yeah. And my favorite, one time. of my favorite heroes, Icelander, is also from Arya. So oh, yeah, that sounds great. Probably uh, a little less, but <laughs> I mean, Briar looks is fun too. There's just a lot of cool people in Aria. Um, I was trying to think of somebody else. Oh yeah. And Valda seems, is Valda from Aria? Maybe she's oh, not. No. She Uh-oh. might kick the shit out of you though. I know, but I kind of like that. Oh, nice. <laughs> or <laughs> what's her, what's her face? <laughs> She's on strength of Sequoia, you know? Oh yeah, totally. Whoever that is. 
Sorry if I don't know nice. right now, but you can also yell at me in the comments. That's fine. You're really selling me on Arya. I just thought the Savage Lands would be really enriching, but definitely less fun, more survival based. Oh, Maybe nice. Arya's Valda is from Arya. She has an Arya border. Yeah. Okay, sweet. Yeah. Freaking Valda's there. Okay. No, dude. <laughs> The Savage Lands is the wrong answer. It's like <laughs> right next to the Demonastery where you're just like, you know, you get out of your freaking safari vehicle and you're like, wow, nature's so powerful and amazing. And then like a fucking saber tooth comes out <laughs> of the fucking bushes and mauls you or a stony hog, and you're just dead. You totally. know, it's like real fantasy nature. Yeah. Like not messing around. Yeah. You're just dead or just like you turn a corner and there's some freaking brutes there and they're just like, Psh, get out of here. You freaking whatever colonist. Totally. And they I just, they kill you. You know, I just love Reinar and his tribe, like fighting off the freaking Solanians logging their land or whatever. You know, I'm really into the, I'm into it. I'm into the tribal tribal totally. wild. I would rather, just support the nonprofit that is for group <laughs> rights in Aria, then like go there and be like a, a frontline activist. That's just, that's 15 years ago. That would have been my, my energy, but I'm 35 now. And you know, that's fair. I might, I might change my mind after being there for a while, you know, we'll yeah. see if I can hack it. I'll let you know in a couple of years. <laughs> and then like the monastery would be also would be the absolute worst. We're not fucking, we're not going near there. Yeah. No way. Yeah. Hell no. Just get skinned alive or <laughs> yeah. hypnotized and in a, into a cult instantly. Or get like arc night shard impaled or something, but you're the experiment that goes sideways, you <laughs> yeah. know? Don't, like, yeah, totally. And now you're just a machine for murder that just like they have to put down. Yeah. yeah. It's awful. <laughs> Maybe fun. you would Thanks fit in it. though, because you have a third arm and they'd be like, this guy, <laughs> this guy's chill. <laughs> He's one of us. Good to go. Yeah. We'll probably be king. <laughs> okay. So anyway, right. thanks, Thor Mike. Great question. Uh obviously we had a lot of fun with it. So record your voice memo right now, people. Email it to us with your question and we'll answer it on the pod. And uh you'll get to hear your sexy voice, which is always fun. You can play it for your significant other. Be like, look, I'm famous. Yep. All right, on to the main topics. Why don't you first walk us through kind of the preface? Like what happened? We had two uh, big events, the first two big events in this new meta with the new cards available. So uh, how'd that turn out? Uh, kind of spicy. Turned out kind of spicy. So uh, this is just a week removed from release weekend. So this the context of all of this is that we're getting to play with the cards for really the first time in a limited format. And we're also getting to play in competitive events. We, as in the general populace of the flesh and blood community. And um, we're kind of seeing what shakes out and, and what has happened and, and that sort of thing, both kind of, you know, our thoughts on how the draft format is going to go and how constructed is maybe leaning 
Um, so we had two events, one in Chicago, the Chicago Brawl put on by, I think, Realm Games and MinMax Games at the same time in a, a friendship way, which we love friendship. And then the AEG Open down in SoCal had a tournament also. And both of those top eights look quite a bit different Um which is which is very interesting. So uh, we'll start with, I think the biggest news is from Chicago, which shout out to Brody Spurlock, who won the whole thing on Azalea, perfect undefeated record and beat Michael Hamilton, world champion, aka the angel of death, aka uh, Mr. Misty, because Misty's his cat. Um Angel of Death is a good nickname. I hope that one day <laughs> I have a nickname as good as that. Aren't you the you're the Prince of Precision, dude? That's a great. Oh, nickname. totally. It is great. I just you know, you're right. Like Michael Less... Hamilton has slain everyone in his path. Yeah, yeah. So it's like <laughs> Michael Hamilton gets to wear a leather jacket, and you're wearing one of those like frilly white shirts, I guess. <laughs> with knickers precisely (laughs) (laughs) so uh so yeah so azalea gets their first living legend points and wins the chicago brawl no she doesn't there's no living legend points associated with a non-competitive event damn it or whatever you want to call it but it's in so oh yeah i guess it's not like a road to nat or I said that with confidence and I don't actually know that, but Hmm. that's interesting, (laughs) but I'd bet money on it. You don't get just like two points. (laughs) Like I don't believe so. Like a battle hardened or something. Hmm. Yep. All right. Well, add us. (laughs) Tell you what though, Zoe's definitely going to get her first living legend points (laughs) coming up here though. Totally. So that's, that's I'm beating around the bush. That's the big takeaway. It was an Azalea mirror match in the finals. And I, I retweeted my tweet from earlier in March where I said Azalea was S tier. And uh, it looks like Azalea is pretty freaking dang good yeah. as I, as I knew. And maybe you can talk about this, but uh, Isaac has been super busy with, fireman school and uh emt school and so he hasn't put in the work in azalea and broken the deck wide open like everybody's hoping him to do but i am very excited for you to pick up your old favorite azalea and wield it with uh, immense power thanks yeah this is like my my dream season and i've been unable to partake (laughs) But um, I did play, I made an Azalea deck and played like, I don't know, like 10 games or something with it. And yeah, she's, she's rad. Went undefeated, had 20 life at the end of every game. (laughs) I did did win a a buttload of games. She's very good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, In that same tournament, we also had an Azuri top, which I thought was just like excellent news because um, a lot of people had kind of written Azuri and Riptide off. Um, but seeing an Azuri top eight is is great. And uh, I think that deck has a lot of room to grow. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I've all, I've seen some Missouri decks that are just basically like because Arachne's hero ability is kind of unimpressive. It's just like Arachne deck, but also with the good Missouri cards, you know, and that can be pretty impressive as well. So I think that you know, definitely got a ways to go to see if that hero can can really uh, perform. Yeah, I have been playing a lot of Azuri, like a lot. All right, give and, us your take. Okay. I'm gonna. Uh and so it like what puts I think people off of the deck is the math. Is it doesn't have great math. You're like I'm I basically can only afford to swing one spider's bite and it costs me two resources for one damage. And then I can only really trade up to six damage with Azuri's ability, seven if it's a sneak attack. Um, And that's still just like the same as if I pitched a card and played a two for six attack. And that's just like not as good as a three for seven or a three for eight. So why would I do that? You know, is kind of like on paper how it breaks down potentially on the surface level mathematically. Yeah, like your weapon's below rate and then your what you're doing is on rate. Yeah. With you're like, again. You're or playing whatever. Like crazy fair. Yeah. But what really happens is that you gain a lot back from all of this disruption you can continue to throw at people. And you just like you win you put your opponent in kind of this situation where if they don't block you, you're still doing enough damage because you're blocking some of their damage and just damaging them that you can get it to a point where uh, your opponent now can't just like not block you and still stay in the game. And then the cards you're using like shakes down death touch CNC uh, leave no witnesses. Those all like fuck up your turn, like attack your arsenal, give you blood rot frailty, uh or inertia and then shake down like strips a card out of your hand and deals you damage um etc so you gain a lot back for how disruptive you can be as a deck and make your opponents like life pretty hard to just like play their game plan at you and then and the, and that's basically what the deck is and that's like the fun part is that your opponent has to be like ah shit they only have two cards and this is like a blue isolate so it has dominate so do i even bother blocking with a card or not cuz i don't have a defense reaction i probably should throw some equipment here etc and you still get shakedown over the top and strip like they're their best card out of their hand or something like that, you know? Yeah. Having leave no witnesses and CNC, like those are both worth an extra card that you get out of your opponent. And then inertia is sometimes as well. So that's like a high density of these cards that you can blast in that are worth like an extra card out of your opponent in addition to just their printed damage. Yeah. And then you get to have Codex of Frailty, which just allows you to have those effects uh, three more times in the game, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, I haven't experimented. I was thinking the other day, I was like, 
Well, I could put contraband, like cadaverous contraband in here and get my codexes back <laughs> and codex more. Is that too crazy? I don't know. You know, because one of the powers of Azuri is that you have so many block threes. And that feels really good that mm -hmm. um, you can choose a bunch of different lines based on what you can and can't block with. So, it, so Azuri just makes you like, as the opponent have to make a lot of decisions and it's just tough to make that many different decisions about what possibly could happen to you. And you win a lot of games. Like I'm, I'm doing pretty well on Talishar with the wins and, you know, small sample size, but I'm starting to really feel the power of like the deck. And it has this, like, because it has this ethereal, um, value system to it i'm starting to feel like a jedi like i'm one with the force i'm like oh yes i i can feel the flow of the game and if i block with these two cards and then choose this line it puts them down this path and then you know etc so it's sick yeah totally i love decks where the um like the face-up math is not just like really obvious yeah so yeah you're just like you're moving through your game plan and the the waves that you create two and a half turns from now will, you know, have, you know, pay dividends and have great repercussions for your opponent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You still die horribly to illusionist and wizards. You're just like super dead, you know, but what can you do? Yeah. Playing Kano into Arachne is like free. <laughs> you know yeah just like a deck that has a low ceiling yes please you know yeah. <laughs> like it's like i don't know the most i can threaten this turn is maybe 10 damage you know yeah and i only have one blue <laughs> all so, right uh so okay to, to ground us back uh really diverse top eight at the chicago brawl we had two Azaleas and Azuri, Old Him, Lexi, Icelander, Dash, and Briar. Uh, just all of the most badass women we have in the game. Sans Dromai. If we get Dromai in there over this Old Him, it's just an all-lady <laughs> top eight, and it's just crazy, you know? Yeah. I was especially happy to see Dash in that top eight. Just because Dash just got some powerful new tools and was like the hot new deck, you know, without being like, broken or unfun it was like you know all the dash mains got rewarded and you know got to play with a powerful um you know a or s tier deck for a bit so i was glad to see that um you know somebody was able to still perform with dash despite the new the new hotness coming out that was pretty cool yeah i mean it's it's a freaking rad top eight and i'm just really glad like azalea right away had basically uh what do i say here just her time in the sun right away and being like yo look i'm here i'm a competitor you now have to be prepared <laughs> for yeah what i'm doing and that deck is only going to get better you know because it's week one and yeah. lexi i've played a few lexis recently and i'm like fuck <laughs> now i get blood rots and frostbites this sucks yeah lexi is mean she like just the density of good cards she can play is finally at that like critical point where you're like 
oh, I can just play good cards, you know? Yeah. Like I can make a deck of good cards. You don't have to have like these filler things. So um, that's pretty fun. We'll see how, we'll see how Lexi does. As far as Azalea, I think that that deck is probably here to stay. It's just really, really powerful. Um, I will say though, it seemed like, We'll see. Azalea might persevere despite this, but once people start teching for that deck, you know, like red unmovable is a, a very real card and um, buys you huge tempo um, playing that against an Azalea. So we'll see how it all like uh, plays out. But, um, you know, her power level is a bit absurd. Like just playing with the deck that I made first draft. So a lot of times you're like, huh, I just had another 15 damage turn with like two on hits. And I did that last <laughs> turn also, you know, without having like the combo happen. You're just like <laughs> pretty good. Did you, did you put rain razors in your deck? I did not. Nice. Uh, I don't think it's good, but it, I saw Hell it was yeah. in Brody Spurlock's deck. I saw him play it. I watched that finals match. So maybe oh, yeah. it's good. But so, I also was surprised by uh, Rain Razors. It's like, this is a zero for two, basically, you know? I think it's because it can be a resource card also. Yeah. But then it doesn't block. Anyway, uh, I just wanted to know. Not that, yeah. I mean, Brody won the whole thing. So cool deck, good choices. Um, but I just wanted to know where your brain was at. If that was, nope. that'd be something you would choose or not. Doesn't block C and C. And now you have cards like, uh, w- whatever of blood rot, which is kind of a zero for five against Lace. aggro decks, you know, yeah. like just stuff like that. So just <laughs> from a deck building perspective, I went for the higher rate cards than rain razors. But if you're really leaning into like, um, Bolton shot, I think they had a lot of Bolton shots. Um, and like, uh, I don't know if they ran Falcon Wing, but anyway, if you're leaning into like two arrows a turn, then Rain Razors all of a sudden gets really good. Yeah, zero for four, I suppose, yeah. in that circumstance. And it's yellow. It's crazy. It's so crazy. Like, why aren't people saying mad at that card for being broken? Because in fucking Lexi, it's like zero for six. You know, yeah. it's better than Revel and Viscerai. <laughs> you know, in terms of the amount of damage it presents, mm-hmm. <sighs> cards a monster. I think, but well, anyway, we can get to that later. But yeah, t- totally. Um, I will say it's worth it to go watch the Chicago Brawl uh, replay. It's on DM Armada's uh, YouTube channel, and the finals was pretty crazy because. Um, Isaac, I believe is his name. Am I right? Am I Levi? Wrong? Levi, thanks. <laughs> I knew it was one of my friend's names. <laughs> uh, he had to start the game on with a IP2 penalty from a games rules violation in the semifinals. And you're like, oh man, this isn't going to be like much of a game, you know, like kind mm-hmm. of a bummer. But I watched it anyway. And oh boy, what a game it is. It's like, that's kind of how powerful the deck is in the hands of 
a skilled pilot is that you can play through the IP2 penalty and almost freaking win the whole thing <laughs> and make the like greatest comeback story alive, you know. Also spoilers, but come on now. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, since you brought it up, I was like kind of surprised about the IP2 penalty because it happens um in the previous game Levi was playing against Uzuri and uh, whatever the stealth dominate card is, isolate. Yeah, he, so he blocks with two cards, ignores the rules of dominate. They both didn't catch it. Keep going, right? Which is like technically cheating, um, but it just it it just seemed weird to me because like so if I pummel you and I miss the discard effect or don't vocalize it, right? Like you need to discard a card now and you don't and then we move on it's just a missed trigger right right and that's it you didn't cheat i just didn't vocalize it well enough or what you know what i mean so in that and i understand that these are like different he's like actively cheating versus just missing missing a trigger but it's just like to me an ip2 in the next game seemed really harsh for what just to me seemed like the spirit of a missed trigger Right. Cause he's like not doing it on purpose. Yeah. And, uh, that just, I'm not saying that it goes against the rules of the game. It just seemed to me like in spirit, it was like Miss trigger esque and it seemed like a harsh punishment for that. I think you would probably, which I totally agree, but I think to the, the reason they give it to him, right. Is to make sure that, you can't incentivize those types of things, right? Yeah. Like, oh, just be a good dude and like, you know, feign ignorance. And it's like, didn't catch it in time. Oh, well, like, don't do it again, you know? And now you're in the finals of like an event. So just to kind of like make sure that you're, if you, you know, we're going to, slap slap down on that or smack down on that crack down on that type of thing just to make sure that there's no precedent set that that's something that you can get away with at like mm-hmm. an event that's being streamed and there's like actual stuff on online so i think that's like when when i go down that uh path of logic i'm like okay it makes sense it like totally sucks and mistakes do happen all of the time but in the greater context of the game in the player base community, that's kind of yeah. a, uh, a value I would like to have. And I get that and definitely agree with the need for that because it would just encourage, because unfortunately, like, you know, at worlds and certain other, you like, do you see people, there's like an X percentage of people who are actively trying to shark and you just like, can't have that. Yeah. Um, if you want to maintain a healthy community, um, I guess I just thought about it because, like, uh, so in the finals of a pro quest, um, I was playing Lexi versus Viserai, and I connected with an arrow after a uh, Aether Ice Vein shot, <laughs> whatever that card is <laughs> called. <laughs> um, yeah, and so the second Aether arrow, still arrow has, <laughs> yeah, still has the hit effect. And both of us missed it. 
it was like at the end of the day, I was freaking exhausted and just been on a trip. And my opponent like honestly missed it either. Otherwise they would have just blocked with the card. Right. But so, um, my opponent should have discarded a rebel that he then got to arsenal and then later like killed me with. It was a very close game. Um, had he not been able to arsenal that I would have likely won. Um, I, th- I so think anyway, there's... this is just like a missed trigger, right? Because I missed the trigger and he missed the trigger and didn't have to discard. Right. So to me, it just seemed that seems like very similar, you know, I... like when exactly is it a missed trigger and when is it? I know it's because he's actively playing through the dominate versus, you know, it's just, well, it's like a fine line in my brain. Totally. I would. I would surmise that uh, shout out to Patrick who is listening to this podcast right now when it is live is that there's a difference between dominate and miss triggers, right? Mm-hmm. Like miss triggers are things you can miss. And if you miss like too many of them, you'll be penalized. Whereas dominate is probably like a thing you're not, it's like a hard rule you can't miss or mess around with. You know what I mean? Yeah, Definitely. So, it's just in spirit, they play out the same. So it just, anyway, it doesn't really matter. It's just like, I thought it, I thought it was kind of a feel bad situation to see Levi go into the finals with IP two when it was like, uh, understandable, not miss trigger, but you know, similar situation. Yeah. But anyway, tough situation, tough. But yeah. shout out to both of them who played a great yeah. tournament and uh, amazing. And it's cool. I'm psyched. I have no hard feelings against Azalea. I have a back catalog of 5,000 games against her. <laughs> so I'm not taken by surprise by any of these shenanigans, even though they're new cards. <laughs> so don't even think you can pull one over on me because I've fucking seen it all. Oh, you think you're going to like snaps? your endless arrow and then reload it with bracers. Yeah. I know about that play. Okay. (laughs) Get out of here. Anyway, uh, let's talk about the AGE top eight, um, which was quite a bit different. We have doubled up heroes in both Katsu and Briar. We have a Kano, a Dromai and a, the scourge of Pasadena, Craig Pollock on old, old faithful there, old him and uh, an Icelander there. So kind of two new heroes in Katsu with some upgrades, um, but kind of a fairly regular SoCal <laughs> meta. Uh, if you, if you ask me, the interesting thing though, is that uh, Zachary wins on Dromai which is freaking sweet. Yeah. What do you, what I you think uh, about that. It's just like your deck's time to shine, dude. You're just winning AGEs, winning Chicago brawls. Yeah. It's basically like I won. Yeah. <laughs> All um, your favorite heroes. No, it's yeah. In theory, like Jeremiah's pretty poised here. Um, it's just good matchups, right? Like Ranger's a good matchup. Um, with the new tools that Azalea and Lexi have at their disposal, I'm unsure how good of a matchup it is anymore. Do be determined, right? Like it might not be quite as good because you 
you still can't like block all of that damage or like hit effects or whatever. And you still have to like function and present, um, present something back, but just classically like, uh, old him Rangers wizards, you know, dash like, these are all really good matchups. Um, we'll see how well Katsu performs. And if, you know, there's a place in the meta for, uh, Briars or Fies, you know, some of the worst matchups because those are all very real decks still. So, how this all shakes out, um, might we'll see how it goes for Dromai. What I will say though is that the Rangers are looking pretty good, and that's a hard environment for like especially Fi to shine in, um, and even Katsu just because you know those those decks are more fragile to to their hit effects. However, you know, there's cards, cards like Flick Flack um, are very real, right? So these decks can be built a lot of different ways and we'll see how that, that pans out in the future. Well, like Flick Flack doesn't have any sort of equity against Azalea where you're like, it's just a zero for four defense reaction because I'm it, coming at you for like 18. It does against one arrow, you know, uh, Bolton Shot or Ravenous Rabble. Like way back in the day, I used to side out red rabbles just because it would turn on their equity or the, you know, flick the black. value of flick yeah. black. Like you yeah. had to, even though rabble was like one of the better cards in your deck. Um, so yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Um, it does have a lot of value against Lexi potentially, right? Totally. You block for four and five, which is 100%. insane. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. My point being just, you know, there's a lot of evolution to still be scene oh totally it's so many early days and it's like uh azuri has a pretty decent matchup into the rangers it's like Mm -hmm. pretty tough but you're pretty disruptive like i had a game recently where they just like didn't block so i got a cast shakedown and it hits and i choose red or one you know and then they only had one arrow in hand. And I'm like, well, if that's not an arrow in their arsenal, they're kind of effed here, I think. And uh, so I took their red arrow and they just happened to have like, they didn't find anything off the top. And then they just had to come in with like a mopey blue arrow, I think. And I was able to like regain a lot of tempo and hold on to some more cards and like still be disruptive. Um, so stuff like that can happen. Cause you're stripping cards out of their hand and just like you can attack their arsenal so much, especially with like death touch. And then you choose inertia and just keep them off an arsenal. So you kind of have like a decent matchup, but then like, uh, if Dromai winds up being the deck, people are going to play to combat Rangers. Then I think we're going to see assassin, probably move out because then you're like blocking with all of your like switchblade cards as poppers and then you have like nothing to flip into with her ability mm-hmm. <laughs> so then yeah, you're just totally. doing like spider's bite zero for three and you block yeah. it okay <laughs> yeah and i've noticed in those matches too like uh you know, like Arachne versus Ranger or whatever. There's also a turn where you just like leave no witnesses and then like shroud or tunic to eradicate. And all of a sudden they're like 10 cards less in deck, yeah. which when you're on your like pretty defensive deck, 
ends up mattering. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, I've given Isaac eyebrows. We will see. Hopefully you can hear that <laughs> in the in the podcast. So yeah, the next kind of event, I think the next bigger event we have is a battle hardened in Richmond. And I think that will be a good litmus test for what we see in Baltimore. But I kind of wanted to get, you know, maybe we could give some predictions on like kind of where we see stuff going or, or that sort of thing, or, or do you have a game plan for Baltimore? Are you just hopping on Azalea train right away? Are you considering drill? My, are you considering Lexi is everything on the table or are you like just Azalea is one of the most powerful things you can be doing right now. So I'm just going to do that. Uh, so I will have two weeks of part-time work before Baltimore. So I'll get quite a bit of testing in then hopefully nice quite a bit. It's kind of a strong word, but I will get to play games. Um, Droma is very much on the table for me. I have like before, you know, these three months, I had like six months of reps on that deck, which just definitely gives me an edge up. Um, I actually kind of like Lexi a bit more than Azalea just because she's more flexible Mm -hmm. Um, and does generally more powerful things, but I don't know. Azalea was my favorite. She's so cool. Now it's like very appealing just to play that deck and like go ham. Um, so I think it's between those or Kano for Baltimore for me, which I know is four different decks, but, um, yeah, we'll see. I, I think with Jeremiah, it just kind of depends on how I find the Lexi and Azalea matchup, you know, now, or if there's like a broken Katsu deck that comes out, like I love to play Jeremiah, but it's still not very fun to just like (laughs) lose really badly for eight rounds straight. So Mm -hmm. um, I might switch (laughs) off of that. We'll see. Um, uh, But yeah, I, I'm definitely considering Jeremiah, um, because of her positioning, but also partly just because of the reps thing, right? Like I'm not going to have a lot of time to practice or get a lot of reps. So I'm going to have to like get my pick dialed pretty quickly. Um, yeah. I don't know. What are, what are your predictions on this, uh, this upcoming meta? Do you, do you have any dark horses or any observations? Uh, it's just hard. It's, it's like, you know, the step one is, is Azalea is maybe what the meta revolves around now, but that's like, I would have to know what their tech is for against the guardians. You know what I mean? Cause like dominated choke slam is like a real deal. And that really messes up your arrows and you're like, not particularly worried then I mean, you don't have to be as Bravo as worried about like things like Red in the Ledger or Remorseless um, or even Blood Rot because you have like blues, you're kind of only doing one thing a turn and you have a lot of like pretty impactful hit effects also to fling back at them and you can also push damage, but then you also have access to the tall defense reactions. So we'll have to see if that 
kind of winds up being a counter, but I'm actually unsure of what the, and this is just like uh, me being in my own world and kind of ignoring Dromai <laughs> as like, cause I keep picking the decks that just like that matchup sucks. So uh, we just won't worry about it. But how's Dromai into the guardians? Is that, is this one of those 60, 60 matchups? <laughs> yeah. This is a hotly contested. Okay. Um, there's there's been so much debate on social media and between players on whether this is <laughs> who is favored in that matchup. Um, I think it probably just comes down to player skill or preparedness. Maybe sure. I find it Dromai favored. Um, um, I did play against a friend who had a lot of success with Old Him in um, the last competitive season. It's very good on old him. And then we played that matchup to see how it panned out. And I went two and zero on Dromai. Um, and like maybe surprised them a little bit just because it was like, I think my game plan was a bit better than who they had played in tournaments before. Not that mm-hmm. I'm the only good Dromai player or anything, but you know, it just, it, it seems to vary a bit people's experience on how that, you know, how that happens. Tarek played against, uh, uh, a popular Dromai player and like a money match challenge. Right. And lost. But then um what what's his name? Dark Dark Sidious. <laughs> anyway. I don't, um, I don't know. <laughs> and they uh but then the Dromai player was like, oh I actually think this is slightly old him favored. So you know it's just like I don't know. Everybody asks says something different. So Okay. Well, within then that little piece of data, um, we'll have to see. <laughs> yeah. I What I really just want to have happen really is that things to be diverse and for people to have multitudes of ways to, um, what's the word, attack the meta or have have a multitude of solutions to what's happening like if if there's more than one way to win these games or gain an upper hand or or whatever uh that's that's what i'm looking for really i just i would like i'm excited to see where the azuri deck goes uh i'm not sure if i'm going to be pioneering anything really on that because i'm not going to baltimore so i'm really taking my time in trying to like you know learn it and that sort of thing but you know azuri is like my new favorite hero so i would love to see where that deck goes and stuff so we'll see i mean if you're having fun with her oh dude it's so fun yeah it's so fun but uh i i have no no ideas I, I would also love it if Azalea just continued to win and uh, people keep calling for bans and hate Azalea all of a sudden. <laughs> I have, since we're on this top, I have a question for you about, because I'm really curious about this. Um, it just seems to me like in my little Twitter bubble or whatever, this isn't um, representative of the majority of fab players by any means, but it seems people are like pissed Right. Like people are really annoyed with Azalea and are calling for bands or like don't want to play or whatever, you know, like a bit more 
than when, you know, like, I don't know, Icelander is really good or like Briar is really good or Chain's really good or whatever. Like, and I've seen this in the past before. Um, I was actually watching a Team Covenant stream um, and they asked briefly, like, why, why do you, uh, like, um, what makes you like playing Icelander so much? Why do you want to, you know, make me not be able to do what I want to do? You know, why is that fun or whatever? <laughs> Which I thought was a pretty funny question um, because Zach's a really big uh, um, Briar player, you know? Yeah. And just, I find this take interesting because for me, and I'm a bit biased, obviously, I play the hit effect decks, but <laughs> for me, when I play against like broken fi or broken briar and i'm like playing a fair deck to me that is not playing the game right like i guess technically i get to play my cards but there's no interaction i'm never going to win you know what i mean like if briar opens up and does 40 damage there's like no to me that is a very uninteractive very miserable experience right like broken aggro is probably my least favorite archetype just because there's no to me that is the least interactive gameplay and i find that like if you're playing against icelander yeah you get to do a bit less of what you want to do and you don't just get to play out your combo or whatever but you play a very long game with a lot of interactions Mm -hmm. and a lot of calculations and a lot of give and take you know and like pre uh a little band fi could like still very much beat icelander right there's still yeah. like um there's still room to win so i find that you know playing against like ice or hit effects you know like azalea for example um while yeah it like impinges on your ability to do everything you want to do it still um makes for a more interactive engaging game rather than just from what i see what people seem to want is like oh if there's no ice or or there's no like or azalea sucks or whatever then you can just kind of play your card but then you just to me you just like get into like five meters and hope you get to go second or like draw more artivores and to me that's just so much less interactive than uh, a game with hidden effects that actually encourages interaction and challenges you to kind of build your deck to be able to play in a mid-range way and still beat these decks. Um, That was a bit long-winded, but um, it's just like a really polarizing uh, set of opinions, I think, in the game. Mm -hmm. What do you think? What do you think about all that? What's your opinion on this? uh, What's the question, though? (laughs) Like... Do you think that, you know, ice or hit effects are unfun or unhealthy for the game because they stop you from doing what you want to do? Or do you think that that kind of thing is healthy and better than, you know, do you think that Fi and Briar and Dash should just get to play out all their cards all the time? And is that more of a fun game than one that has ice, for example, or Azalea now? Uh, I think that's just a preference thing, right? So I have definitely had fun just being like, here are all my cards. I make no decisions. I'm just dealing damage. Your damage sucks. 
mine's better game is now over you know <laughs> <laughs> like that's pretty fun and i can understand that but it's also really fun to be icelander because you have to make so many decisions and predict things correctly and fight your way out of like these uh little tempo losses through the game like when you got to play out a frost hex or an insidious chill to then later like gain the dividends off of that like those things are really fun and i don't mind playing against icelander I think the least fun I have was like peak ice Lexi where arrow ice vein is whatever the fuck that card's name is, is like the first card you fuse and put on the combat chain. And then you still have like two more arrows to, to play against or like an ice quakes out there and stuff. Like that's just, that feels oppressive because I'm, getting my card stripped and I can't like you're in a situation where you're like, well, I can block all of this damage or I can block some damage and still take a buttload of damage and not do anything on my turn. And that sucks. Uh, and it's kind of like when Starvo like uh, crippling crushes you three turns in a row dominated, go again and you get a frostbite and you lose all your cards and can't do anything like that's truly being shut out of the game. So those times are when I've been the most annoyed, but Briar like vomiting damage at me or five vomiting damage at me, like definitely sucks. But when those things were coming out, I felt like there were counters to them. So it didn't bother me. So then in the realm of Azalea hitting me with red in the ledger or uh, sleep dart or, uh, you know, dead eye trigger plus seek and destroy trigger, you know, all of that shit. Does that bother me right now? No, it doesn't because I think there are ways to deal with it and you just got to adjust now in like, you know, eight weeks, if the adjustments have been made and it still is like you know, beating the pants off of everything, which I still don't think it's beating the pants off everything. Then maybe that's like a bummer, but like as of now, I'm psyched to see Azalea at the top. I'm psyched that old him is here and Icelanders here and stuff like those are cool decks. I'm always of the mind of like, Oh, that's the most powerful thing. Okay. Let's look at the card pool. Let's go back to the drawing board. Let's try to figure something out to beat it, you know? And if I can't, then maybe somebody else can. And then maybe they'll ban something. But uh, I'm I'm the optimist in that way, pretty much always. That answer your All question? Right. It does. <laughs> Sweet. It's not a it's not a crystal clear question. It's just uh, yeah. everybody's always up in arms. Speaking of up in arms. Everybody's calling for the ban of Codex of Frailty. No way. Print. Let's make it so you can have six copies in your deck. <laughs> yeah. Let's, why isn't it rainbow? Is yeah, the real totally. question. Why you does know? it come in red and blue? I want nine <laughs> copies. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck's wrong with everybody? Sorry. That's come off hostile. I've like, had a few beverages. 
it's just it feels like like everybody's like plays and then they get dominate red in the ledger or like one card codex of frailty and they just before really adapting their deck or switching heroes or you know whatever they're just like nope this card's above right but yeah that's my take too it's just like yeah may i mean that card is pretty broken right it's like so far above rate in terms of everything it does um i'm surprised the discard is not a cost rather than you could just have it as your last card and get around it that's pretty absurd the card is busted but it's like the game we play you know like art of war little minnowism channel mount heroic force of nature channel lake frigid cnc three of a kind revel leave no witnesses that card's insane aether wildfire you know like war tune heralds with luminaris you know crown of seeds rosetta you know what i mean we just play a game of like above rate cards and they're they're always within the context of their hero right so if you just give a hero a bunch of busted cards yeah they're broken and need to be nerfed but like if you give ranger you know i mean ranger already has like rain razors like we talked about and you know three of a kind and now the codexes and stuff and they're all and voltaire or death dealer you know these are all like extremely powerful cards but um i don't know if you banned every above rate card in the game it would be a lot of bands it's only when a card yeah, is we would oppressive. just be, be playing <laughs> dawn blade with no effect <laughs> yeah. with brutal assaults you know yep. and our defense reactions wouldn't do anything they would just wounded be... bull would really shine though <laughs> no way dude that one's too good we're banning that also oh, that's true all right three for eight two above eight if we're gonna ban everything uh so i i don't think like the argument one of the arguments is just like this these heroes suck, so give them a really good card. I think it's valid, but also does not help anybody uh, play help their play experience. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So the way I have looked at it, and like today on stream, like I maneuvered my opponents into like some good spots, and then was like, "Cool, I'll just like block with all my cards and play this codex, and then tunic my." uh you know death touch from from uh wherever it is the graveyard like awesome i'm back in this game this is great and they just like quit (laughs) you know i'm like come on this is like a thing i had to maneuver to get into and like set up these things i did you're also playing azuri you didn't play like zero for four zero for zero for four and then do it right yeah you're like within the context of your card pool yeah and uh, like i kind of set it up etc you know i did just draw into it and then win the game um but like the codex can of frailty can only be so good you know what i mean you only get three of them and like the if you play it when you have cards in your hand it like hampers you also you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like you have to have cards in your discard pile. So it like has this like kind of baked in cap. You know what I mean? To it. So where it can't like get out of control. 
where like you pitch stack all three of them and play all three of them in the same turn or something stupid. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's not a CMH force of nature, endless chain or something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as of this moment, I haven't figured out how to break (laughs) it. Right. Um, But who knows? Maybe you set up like multiple time snap potions and, you know, you draw a bunch of cards and then cadavers contraband and draw them again and, you know, or, or some dumb shit. I don't know. Um, but so your like, opponent can also like get back CNC, you know, like if yeah. I'm a ranger, you're also giving them back something. Yeah, totally. But, uh, so that's what I think is going to be fine with codex is that, the hoops you'd have to jump through to make it a absolutely broken card, not just like a very good card in your deck, which you probably are running a bunch of good cards and you're just used to it. You know what I mean? Like how used to channel Mount Heroic are you? Like so used yeah. to it, you know, you're just like, this is just part of the game. I have to play around and I know how to play yeah. around it. You know what I mean? Or like, uh, yeah. Like, don't block with my armor because I'm going to get crippling crushed and I need to be able to block eight somehow on this dominated crippling crush. You know what I mean? So there will be tools to like play around it. And plus, like if you were a freaking Icelander, you can just they play codex and then, you know, you go, okay, like uh, give you two frostbite somehow. Or something, you know what I mean? Yeah, I empty my use... arsenal, then get wounded bull. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, <laughs> and you can't activate your tunic now, or like, or like uh, now you have a frostbite that you can't pay through, you know, or whatever. Um, I guess you then you go get like a zero cost card, but then it's like not a death touch, so then you're like fine. But um, I mean, yeah, I get how it's above rate, right? Like your opponent gets a frailty that's worth X points. You get a ponder token, which is worth a whole card, the arsenal. Mm-hmm. Excellent. You don't have to play the discard effect. So you're just trading codex for the card out of your graveyard. You know, like, yeah, I get it. Yeah, but certainly. Yeah, it's I super just, good. I listed a long list of cards that are also broken. You know, it's just like, <laughs> just <laughs> it's like not broken until it's like breaking the game. It's yeah. just above rate. Yeah. And, then so my point being right is that like you'll just fucking get used to playing against codex of frailty and you'll have some sweet little codex of frailty tech that makes it a little bit easier to play against and they get less value out of it etc and the world will be fine you know and you'll just yep. go on and you'll play your tumult tie and you'll just freaking munch all of my equipment and it'll be okay you know, you just leave your arsenal empty and keep getting CNC back <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Um, so those are my thoughts on that. Chill out, play the game. This is a new thing you got to learn how to play against. So learn how to play against it or join them. There you go. Fair uh, enough. This podcast is going quite long, uh, but let us get let's get into draft hard pivot into our little draft experience and let's talk about yeah. that. Yeah, our last our last little topic here. Yeah. Um. So 
last Saturday we drafted once with eight players and then we played team sealed four versus four um, and opened three packs each in that as well. So dive into your draft experience. What do you, what do you got? Give me some tidbits. Okay. So my whole theory going into this was, I was like, I think Benji is probably one of the most powerful things you can be doing in draft. And I wonder if you can sneak into Benji. So what I did was my idea was to also play with like, how open can I stay? And so I tried to stay super open basically through most of pack one with the idea that I'm going to try to like, just kind of cherry pick good Benji cards, like these just low powered ninja cards and see what happens. Uh, and that almost worked out it like part way through pack two and some of pack three um i was like oh my god here comes a blue uh head jab here comes another like yellow card with go again that's a ninja card it's freaking working everybody's trying to gobble up their high-powered reds and i'm just getting the God Benji deck. And then all of a sudden there were no playables in the packs for like three picks at the very end. And I was like, man, that kind of sucks. And then like it kind of happened again at the end of pack three. And then I wound up with only 28 playable cards because <laughs> the 14 card packs is real, but I got a, you know, a couple of things happened there. Like I got a full suite of equipment, but doubled up on one. So that could have been like another playable card, but even so, I still managed to go 2-1 in that draft with two cracked bobbles in my deck as Benji. And it was a pretty powerful deck when I had like some pop-off turns. Because you can go like, you know, Kadachi, Kadachi, get in some free damage, get in some free damage, or like, you know, or at least like block a little Kadachi, get in some free damage. And then now the red card you have is like buffed. So now it comes in at like a break point or something or, ah, shit. I can't remember the cards. What's the one that gets buffed. If twin twisters was the card before it back heel kick. I believe so. I'm not, I'm not a ninja expert here. Oh God. Flubbing it. I needed a a prep for this discussion. (laughs) Flubbing. I'm going to figure it out though. In just one second. Find find card. Um, it is called. It's called. Oh man. Yeah, back heel kick. If it would gain attack power instead, it gains that much plus one. So you can like come in with twin twisters and get the like twin twisters yellow, you know, and choose. Uh, when this hits, your next attack gets plus one. And then all of a sudden, your red back heel kick comes in for five. Right? Or it comes in even for more of that because it will get plus one from uh, Twin Twisters, which will give it to four. And then its ability, plus one, which is five. Then Benji's ability, which is six, plus one is seven. So then you come in for like zero for seven, which is freaking super dope so my 
experience was my theory on how to draft Benji almost worked. I think I'd have to force it a bit more next time. But then the gameplay in Outsiders is so kind of tight and nuanced and good that even though I had two cracked bobbles, I was able to like outplay my other two opponents and win two out of my one games. Like we played a game, right? And you just obliterated me with your like actually very good Azalea deck. I did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which was like, oh, my deck is so bad in this scenario. Which I felt bad because I was kind of complaining about, like, fuck, two crack bobbles, my deck's bad. And then I went 2 1. And um, so I apologize to my opponents. But no, I, anyway, Benji's, I think Benji's tough like that because my theory on Benji is it's like Benji's really good into like, like if somebody's trying to like pile uh, assassin you or something, you know what I mean? Because you're just like can tear through them, but you're still playing below rate. So if you run into like aggro Riptide or aggro Katsu or aggro Azalea, it doesn't matter if your damage gets through, you know? So it seems like a bit polarized to me in that way, but maybe there's some happy middle ground there. Um, Anyway. Yeah. I, so I just went into it. um, I didn't have much time to think about. I just went in like, I'm just going to be open. I was kind of hoping I would get to play Katsu actually, but um I think I picked a red Fletch the red tail or whatever, the red one. Um, pack one, pick one, because there were no god, you know, god tier picks. And I was like, oh, this is a really good pump. I'll just pick this pump. And then I think I got pack two, pick one, or, you know, the second pick of the round. I, I picked a, lace with inertia or something you know just like another really good pump and i was like okay if i'm going to be playing ranger pumps are premium that's what i'm going for first so that's what i did and then it turned out i just kept getting we or past you know good pumps and they're like some good arrows so i just like kept going into it it paid off i was sending the signal downstream that i was in ranger um it turned out there were three rangers in the pool but one was on riptide and fairly trap heavy So, uh, there was not that much competition for arrows there. Um, Mitch was also on Azalea and he grabbed a bunch of the like spire snipings, um, and stuff like that. But, uh, I got many more pumps than he did. I ended up going 2-0 and then playing the mirror against Mitch in the finals. And I think I got a bit impatient in that game. I was trying to play like a numbers game where I was like, okay, uh, you know, 14 out of 17 of my cards left are arrows, right? Odds are I'll hit one. So I'd blind Azalea and I, I missed a couple of times where I think I should have just like blocked and played tempo better. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, that game went down to the wire. I ended up losing to Mitch, but, uh, you know, it felt like a very powerful deck. Like if Azalea is open, although I doubt she will be, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. I think that that deck will be pretty contested. Uh, my last note on that is that when I looked at my pool, I did not have a lot of spire snipings. I had like one red scout, the periphery and a couple of yellows, but I was not heavily set up to be Azalea, but I only had, I think I had two traps maybe, or three traps maximum that I, I may have cited out actually. And 
looking at my pool, it was like not a broken riptide deck with like virulent touches or death touch it, you know, like it wasn't heavy into riptide. And I just like looking at my pool, it was a normal ranger deck. And I did not want to give up Azalea's game closing dominate ability for like riptide's better efficiency and maybe higher damage output. Mm-hmm. Cause I felt like with riptide, I would have to have truly, you know, so many high rate cards that I would have to basically deck my opponent attacking them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was not, I think that I, I wish I would have played with riptide also with that pool. Cause that could have been very possible, but yeah, it was like, no way I can just pitch stack Azalea and play a numbers game and, you know, um, utilize her ability, which, uh, I'd mix results playing the numbers game, but you know, that just seemed like the, like the safer, the safer play there. Totally. It also just might be like a familiarity choice too, as well. And in like three weeks we might be like, Oh yeah, that was like a really good riptide deck. And, uh, with that, with that, like we'll, we'll want to play riptide every time. Um, just kind of my caveat to all of that, is me and Mitch the next day. <laughs> me and Mitch had a great day. We played draft and then we played team sealed, which I'll get into that a little bit. And then we went to like uh, my friend's band was playing at one of the best local bars. So we went to that. And then there was an after party at my friend's house where there was like three DJs just playing together and mind melding. And it was like the best dance party I'd ever been to, like, or at least in the last 10 years, like my face (laughs) literally was melted off and me and Mitch just had like the best time with my wife, Maria. And, uh, it was awesome up till 2am, just like a couple of teenagers, (laughs) but then we played, uh, some sealed the next day and I opened an absolutely cracked Azalea deck, which included like a healthy number of spire snipings and i basically was dominating every turn whereas the pool i had before was actually still pretty we played two different pools was definitely more tilted towards riptide and it looked completely different you know very few uh spire snipings a lot more go again attacks uh good red arrows uh some traps and that sort of thing and uh even though you could probably play it with azalea it was just like the fact that you have more information to do your dominates and use your azalea ability was just like so much better you know um and like my game against mitch was like not even close like it it just was like Widowmaker for nine dominate you know yeah <laughs> on on repeat basically <laughs> It was awesome. Yeah, it was sick. It would have been a good draft deck for sure. It was absolutely broken. Nice. You know what I found was hard with Azalea was pitch stacking. Because in this format specifically, sometimes it's like weird to use your hand effectively. Mm -hmm. So if Mm -hmm. you're like, my pitch stack is 13 cards away and then I need to hit this red arrow on top. You're like, yeah, shit, I had a card in hand last time. Or like, (laughs) yeah, I got inertia or, you know, yeah, I couldn't, 
I'd have to overblock to stay on track here. So it was like <laughs> right. more challenging than expected. To or you get a ponder and you kind of forgot to count your ponder token. Yep. Yep. You know, so, a ponder. Fuck. Yeah. And you're like, fuck, I drew that arrow. <laughs> I have to pitch it again. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, drafting was sick and it's, it's definitely going to take a little bit getting used to with the Belgium packs, the variability in how the pack uh, is set up, you know, in terms of like getting three rares to one rare uh, and how many uh, hybrid cards there are in that sort of thing in class cards versus generics and that sort of stuff. So I'm excited to delve into it a lot more and just play it a lot more. That's like going to be so much fun. I think we're going to do like a, maybe a four person draft uh, tomorrow just to kind of get some, some more data, even though it's not an eight person deal, but just to kind of, you know, nice do some stuff. Uh, th- th- so then for those, cause I know people are going to want to know about our team sealed situation. I do not recommend playing team sealed with four people unless you want to end on the beautiful note that we did where both teams tied <laughs> after three rounds. That was pretty cool actually. Yeah. Yeah. Which was great. But if you want an yeah. ultimate winner, you got to do uh three V three for sure. Yeah. Um, But it was a ton of fun making all the different pools. Both teams went with the same uh strategy of split up the assassin cards and try to make a broken ninja and broken ranger deck. Yeah. I actually took my dog outside. So I, did not get to like look at the whole pool yeah and like strategize which is maybe good because i might be like a little bit bossy in that situation like no we need to do these <laughs> decks or whatever but i came back and a couple of our teammates were like i want to build a great azalea deck another one was like i want to build a great ninja deck so it was just already kind of like dictated so then nice Mitch and i were on arachne and uzuri and my deck was pretty good, but Mitch's was trash. So then I gave Mitch all the like virulent touches or, you know what I mean? Like all yeah. that stuff you can utilize with go again. And I just had like a, my deck was fine. I just put four of the block four instance in it, you know, it Peace was of just mind. like, yeah, your yeah, deck I'm sucked. just going to, yeah, I was like, I just am going to like <laughs> to play, play against really <laughs> fundamentals. Yeah. And I went you- two and one with like a, a, you know, not great deck, but I was like, I'll just, you just block tight. Absolutely. Every time I tried to pivot into some good damage and yeah. like even pitch stacked my deck to beat you, but I got no damage in. I just had some of the like <laughs> trash traps and yeah. The, and the like six attack generics. Yeah. And just like play fundamentals, you know, I did it. I pitch stacked my like, uh wreck havocs and my mm-hmm. isolates and stuff to push through the damage but i had not enough cards and you had too much health <laughs> so it's it sucked in our our theory on building the decks is we all did it together built each deck all four of us rather than somebody just does their thing and their thing so i felt really good about all of our decks moving in because we had opinions about every single card to go into every deck and that was really, really fun. Yeah. I would like to do it again a bit more collaboratively, you know, to just like yeah. really try to see how the best. I mean, we did kind of, I'd be like, okay, do you have any extra generics? And they'd be like, oh yeah, these are, you know, whatever. So mm-hmm. uh, 
but to start from scratch and like really brainstorm. I just love deck building. Yeah. You know? Yeah, right. totally. So it was, it was a great experience to get into outsiders limited. Um, I do wish we had done it like one more draft, but yeah. there's going to be time. We're going to have it for a long time. So no need to rush. Uh, but you know, I don't really know what's going to happen with outsiders that I'll definitely say like, the best part about the set is how good all of the generics are in every deck. You know, that's like one of my favorite things right now is how good that is. That's yeah. You're not running like yellow sift or whatever. Cause it blocks three. Yeah. And you need cards. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, <laughs> like, totally. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's the best part. Agreed. Um, okay. Shall we then signature do a- segments? Pick pass prey is back, baby. So yes. I'm gonna give you three cards, Woo. Isaac. And imagine Woo. it's a draft. Pee, pee, pee. <laughs> Sorry, let's go. <laughs> uh it's a draft scenario. I'm gonna give you three cards, and you're gonna tell me which one you're gonna pick, pass, and pray comes back around. Are you ready? I am ready. Also, these are all from outsiders in case. Nobody knows. First card up is Feisty Locals Red. Pitches for one, costs zero, is a generic attack action, defends for two, and attacks for three. And it reads, if this is defended by an action card, this has plus two. Far more dangerous than a man with a sword is a man with nothing to lose. Or woman. That should also be on there. Our second card, Spire Sniping Blue. Costs one, pitches for three, is a ranger attack action arrow, defends for three, and it also attacks for three. And it reads, when Spire Sniping is put or turned face up in Arsenal, look at the top two cards of your deck, then put them back in any order. Our third and final card is Razor's Edge Red. Pitches for one, cost zero, is an assassin attack reaction, defends for three, and reads, target ac- attack action card with stealth gains plus three. There's hitmen, there's big game hunters, then there's kingslayers. <laughs> Your favorite flavor text. So Isaac, which one are you going to pick, pass, and pray comes back around? Fuck, Taylor. This is a good one. <laughs> Thanks. That's why I'm the master of pick, pass, pray. Um, I'm going to pick... Jeez. I'm going to pick feisty locals. I'm almost certain this is incorrect, but... I want to pick feisty locals red and I'm going to see if spire sniping blue wheels, which I doubt it will, but if it does I'm slamming, slamming into Ranger or into Azalea specifically. Um, I, 
I just don't know how this draft works yet. I just feel like assassins will be somewhat contested and I don't really want to just like jump into assassin with red razor's edge just yet. Um, so I wanted to kind of see what signals I get and how that goes. Uh, blue spire sniping is like a really good card. And funnily enough in my draft, I did not, I only had four blues because I did not pick blues because I thought I would get wheeled them. And it turns yeah. out I did not. Yeah. So uh, blue spire sniping, it plays, it pitches, and it blocks. It's like perfect. It's everything you want. Maybe I should be picking that. It just feels bad to pick a blue as pack one, pick one. But anyway, um, that's why I'm going with the feisty locals because it works with like, it works with Arachne. It works with Riptide. It even works with like Azalea or like on the end of a ninja chain, right? It's just a just a good value card. So I'm gonna stick with that since there's no like slam slammer pack one pick ones, I think. All right, I talked myself into it. What do you think? Would you recap again for me? Yeah, I'm gonna pick feisty locals and I'm gonna hope that spire sniping blue wheels. Because mm-hmm. then that's like a really strong signal and a really good pick. Nice. Um, balls. I also don't know. I think the picking feisty locals first out of these three is maybe the best. It's like a really good generic, but maybe not my favorite generic, which is what makes this tough is like th- those two are some of my favorite class cards I would want to pick, but I think it's better to be open to start this draft. So I'm also going to go feisty locals, but I'm going to pray razor's edge comes back around because then that means assassin for some reason is like pretty open. And I think razor's edge is definitely one of the like non stealth attacking cards that you for sure want in red and want to have more of, you know, Whereas blue spire sniping, I don't know if that really is going to send the signal or is sending the signal to me that I think it is. Um, Cause it just could be like, there's like a, a pump that was picked before it or something like that, you know? So I'm going to pass on blue spire sniping, even though I know it's like a super good card, but I would just need a bit more context, I think, to be able to feel like that's the card I would want coming back around. Whereas Razor's Edge is still like a very good red card that works really good in the mirror because you can still get Spider's Bit, but then use it to block because it's a reaction, not an attack action. And it's three damage that blocks for three. So that's what I'm going for. Nice. I don't feel confident though. <laughs> nope, because we don't know how it plays out. Totally. Thank you. All right, we'll improve as we keep playing this game. Hell yeah. Let's move into board game from the closet, shall we? Yep. Here at the Attack Action Podcast, we love to play many different games, not just flesh and blood, not just card games. And we would like to share one of those with you today. This might not be our favorite game or the best game in the world, but it's one we really enjoy, and uh, maybe you will too. Today's board game from the closet is my board game. So Mitch got a new game um, 
for mostly him and I to play because we play flesh and blood when we're hanging out a lot. But, you know, sometimes you want like another two player game, which two player games are like pretty rare, to be honest, like good two player games um, besides competitive card games. So he got a game called Memoir 44, Mm -hmm. uh, which we found was great. It's basically like you're playing army men as a kid, you know, Um, it plays out on a map and it has a bunch of different scenarios where you set up different terrain and pre-positioned army men and tanks and the like. And then you take turns. It's turn-based maneuvering and attacking each other. You roll dice to attack each other. So there's a bit of variance there. And you draw and play cards to move your troops and attack and perform different actions. Um, So there's also variance there in what cards you draw and what you're able to command your troops to do. Um, We've only played a few scenarios. I don't know how, you know, deep it is or how fair all the scenarios are, but it is a very enjoyable game to play 1v1 army men you know, like your kids. The worst part of the game is somebody has to play as the Nazis, which fucking sucks. You know, that's pretty stupid, but, uh, they don't have like Nazi insignia or anything. They're just little army men. So you can quickly forget about that as soon as the game starts and, uh, yeah, just duke it out. Oh, I might talk about it someday in the future when we're done playing through all the scenarios, like, how balanced I found it or, you know, any, any updates, but yeah, pretty fun. Again, two V two games are like few and far between. So nice. I could not get into memoir 44 because of it's too real, (laughs) even (laughs) though it's not like, I just have a hard time disconnecting from that a world war was a real thing that happened. And these are real people with real families that I'm pretending to fight with. You know, I'm like, it's tough. That's like the only reason I can't get behind that game is the reality of real world wars. hits too hard in that game for whatever reason for me personally, make it some freaking dwarves and elves done. Great game. But the fact that you're like men fighting in a world war uh, is too hard for me to get in, get behind. Yeah, that's fair. As soon as it starts, I'm not playing out the historic battle, right? I'm just mm-hmm. playing totally like Warhammer or what, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I totally get that also. Just yeah. a, my own personal quirk. <laughs> what about all those trolls you slaughter in Frosthaven? You don't give a shit about them. That was real. It's not I'm just kidding. My knocks are Algox are not real, <laughs> Isaac. In neither are the swarm of insects that I was playing. <laughs> All right. You got anything else? No, I I think that's it. I appreciate everybody hanging out with us. It was uh I just loved this episode of this podcast. I had a great time. There's just a lot going on. There's so much. It's so great. Yeah. It's very exciting. New set comes out. It's easy to make content. Love it. Yeah. Good set. Good set. Hell yeah. All right. 
Thanks for being here, everybody. We'll catch you in the next episode. Goodbye. See you later. Thank you for listening. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram at the Attack Action Podcast. On Twitter, we are at Battlebro Taylor and at Battlebro Isaac. Shoot us an email, the Attack Action Podcast at gmail.com. If you would like to support us, like and subscribe, shop for singles using our affiliate link, or support our Patreon for as little as $4 per month.